Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Okay, so today on the podcast, I am talking to Candace Johnson, and she is a Pulp Riot educator. She comes all the way from Minnesota, and she is just the most soft-spoken, lovely person. Like, I could have talked to her all day. I felt like she had, one, so much knowledge, and I loved her story, and two, I just could listen to her all day. I don't know if anyone would say that about me, but I would definitely say it about her. She had such an interesting story and I really enjoyed the fact that I didn't know a, I didn't know her story. Most of the people that I've had on the show so far are friends of mine or people that I've met throughout the industry or that I know of a little bit more and Candace and I met through some education that we were doing in Melbourne and I got to find out all her backstory and she's lived in Chicago and just really kind of traveled and been able to take her career to all these different levels. And she's now working full time as an educator. So no longer in the salon. And I think that's something when you think about getting into education sounds great, but that little part of you is like, Oh, but would I miss being in the salon? Um, And so she walks us through all of that, how she made the transition, how it all happened and how she ended up living in Australia. And it's actually quite a cool story. So I really enjoyed this episode. I, I'm sure you'll find her voice as soothing and calming as I did. So let's just get into the interview with myself and Candice. Okay, today I am talking with Candice Johnson, who I've been really lucky to connect with actually through my Melbourne lockdown time with my salon group. So we were doing education with Candice for Pulp Riot and thought it would be a really good episode to record showing how somebody is was a hairdresser, is a hairdresser, and now <laughs> working in education and has still in the industry, still loving it. And I, I don't even really know your story. Usually like the people I've had on are kind of friends that I've known or things like that. So this is just as exciting for me because I want to know your story and what you do and what you did and everything like that. So you are an educator oh, for so Pulp cool. Riot here in Australia currently, correct? Yes, I am. I am. Love it. So Let's just dive into the beginning and then we'll get all the way to the end. But how did you initially get into hairdressing? Where are you from? Because you're not from Australia. I love that I'm getting this like diverse group on my podcast. I'm covering all of the globe, I think. 
I love that. And that's so cool. And that's actually one of the things I love so much about hairdressing is that you connect with people from all over the world. Yeah. So that's definitely so cool. I'm so excited to be here. It's my first podcast. So that's really fun as well. So cool. Me too. Um, <laughs> yes. I love it. It's so great. What a fun idea. I think that's so cool. And I love being able to, to take this time that we have to, you know, be productive and doing something fun and bringing hairdressers together. So that's super cool. Amazing. Uh, so a little bit about me. So originally, I am from Minnesota. So Minnesota. Um, I love. Yes, anytime I Minnesota. hear that, do people do that? It's like must be an echo every time you say Minnesota. Does that happen, or am I the only annoying one? No, you are, and I constantly because it's so funny. My family thinks now I sound so Australian, but Mine every too. person I meet, the first one they're like, "Where are you from?" So I am from Minnesota originally. It's right next to Canada, so it also has a slight Canadian-sounding accent. Yeah. So I actually got into hairdressing, funny enough, because at my high school, um, they had offered a program that you could go for half a day, um, once a week to go to a hairdressing school. So you could start to almost work on your hours and your accreditation mm -hmm. for hairdressing. So I started that just kind of as a, you know, maybe let's see, do I want to go to college? Do I want to do this? And ended up um, fully loving it. Yeah loved hairdressing and I decided I still wanted to go to an official hair school rather okay. than um you know that was more of just like a part-time one I wanted to fully embrace it fully get into it so I also had a very adventurous spirit and decided well I should probably move to New York if I'm going to do this and just get a little bit crazy so I wasn't even quite 18 actually I was 17 and packed up my bags and I moved to New York City oh my and had you been to, living at home before that? Uh, always at home. I had, I you know, this. never lived alone. I had, you know, never really even grocery shopped alone. You know, I had never done anything. And here I am. Who do we think we are? Thinking, and I got there and I was like, whoa, what have I just done? But it was by far the best experience I've ever had. You know, it taught me so much. And I was so lucky to get to go to the Aveda Institute there in Soho. So oh every day God. I was in Soho in school for a year and I loved it and it was so cool. Did you know and anybody before you moved? Not even one person. Oh my God. So no. how did you go about that? Did you just look yeah. up hair schools or you like Google hair schools in New York and then kind of picked where you wanted to go or how did that happen? Yeah. You know, I always kind of thought about living in New York. You know, it's like, it's New York. It's cool. It's like the dream. And funny enough, in Minneapolis is actually the head of Veda Institute. It's their oh, cool. main Aveda Institute based in Minneapolis. But, you know, of course, I wanted to do something different. So I still love the idea of Aveda. Their schooling, I liked their program, but I just yeah. wanted to do it in a new city. So mm -hmm. that's why I decided on New York. And they were so, you know, lovely and helped me find a roommate. So my roommate was from Tokyo. Oh, how cool. So the school, were you in like York. student housing? It wasn't a student housing. I was still in an apartment, but they helped students connect with other students oh, to cool. be able to, you know, not have to, I guess, fully go it alone. Yeah, because so, I think that would deter people maybe who yeah. aren't quite as ambitious or would like to do it, but it's overwhelming to know that the school helps you and that they're, you know, you just got to take that first step and there's people pushing you along the way. Absolutely. And she had just come from Tokyo. So she didn't know anybody. She, you know, was still pretty new to English. So it was a very interesting year. Oh my God, what an experience. Uh, 
<laughs> it was. It was so cool. It was so cool. And I loved New York, but at the time it was very expensive to live there, um, you know, being quite young and, you know, knowing in the States you have to do quite a big apprenticeship. Yeah. So most of the time it would be, you know, starting a year, if not up to three or four years. So quite a long, you know, apprenticeship. So I actually had a friend who was living in Chicago and decided that Chicago also sounded like fun. So from New York, I moved to Chicago. So you had completed hair school? Like I had completed hair school. Was is that like a one year program kind of? Like mine was I had to do 1500 hours. Did you have to do that? And then very similar. Very similar. Exactly. So you roughly go Tuesday to Saturday, nine to five. And each state in the US has um, different hours that they require. So depending on per state. But you hadn't worked in a salon yet at this point. It was just not worked in a salon. Finished school and you're like, it's time to go to Chicago. I was going to move to Chicago now because my friend was in Chicago and I thought, oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Never been to Chicago either. I had never been to New York and I was just (laughs) thinking, okay, well, I guess that's the next place. So finished school and I was really lucky. Um, I had seen, I forget where it was, but an ad, you know, it was many, many years ago at this point. The newspaper shows my age, (laughs) shows my age, exactly. Um, And I had seen that they were looking for an apprentice or a junior. And so I contacted them and that salon ended up hiring me. And I was there for nearly 10 years, which was crazy. So that salon was called Art and Science. They have multiple locations in Chicago. And the people that started that salon, Art and Science, also invented the product American Crew, so oh God, the men's cool. hair product. Yeah, and was so that the, something that you that attracted you there, or it wasn't invented at that time yet? Um, no, it was invented. So that was that's been around for you know how you old know, twenty-five American years or something. Yeah, it's been around for. Should ages. have done a little and, research before. <laughs> that's okay. I'll fill you in. I'll fill you in. Um, <laughs> no, actually, what what drew me to them was their training program. So oh, cool. it was really intensive. So obviously, I had finished school, but I still felt like I had a lot to learn. Yeah. And in the States, you, you know, you really do cutting or coloring. It's pretty rare, especially in bigger cities that you do both. Yeah, so exactly. I chose, my yeah. yeah, yeah. Which people here, you know, are always a little shocked by that. Like you don't do both, but yeah. that's just how it is there. You specialize. So I ended up doing their color program and their color program was really intensive. You'd go every single Monday, the entire day, and you'd have to find roughly four or five models yourself every week. Out on the and streets picking them, eh? Out on the streets. Because you didn't have Facebook. Didn't have well, internet. I don't remember having Facebook groups or anything. Like, no. you know, now there's like hair and beauty models, whatever. And that's yeah. how you'd get your models when I was doing job interviews and stuff. But we used to yeah. go down to the food court in the mall and pick yeah. out like, oh, you're how offensive. Your hair looks shit. Do you want to come in and be it's my true, though, But you had no choice. Like you had yeah. to get it done. And I had found a sneaky way, which really worked well, is I would stand in the supermarket aisle. And when people were going to get the hair color boxes, Genius. I would go, instead of getting those hair color boxes, how about you come to the salon and I'm doing my training program. They'll have a supervisor. And honestly, I got like lists and lists of people that way. I would just hover around the. That the is genius. That's going to be like flashing lights on your advert for this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was 
so silly, but you had to, you know, you had to. And if you missed, I want to say if it was more than three models in that program, they wouldn't let you continue. So you yeah. couldn't mess it up. So you had to do it. You had to, you know, really hustle. You had yeah. to really hustle. And don't you think that's made you such a more like ambitious or outgoing or just a hard worker from that? I think yeah, my 100%. training was very similar in that way. And at the time I was yeah. like, well, this is friggin' intense. Like, you know, like, <laughs> give sure. me a break. It's a Sunday. I'm hungover. I'm 17. I don't want to exactly. go around the food court. But now I am so grateful yeah. and it, it is a huge difference. And not that it's not like that in Australia, but I definitely notice a difference in terms yeah. of the way we do our training and stuff. It, it, I'm grateful that I've done it that way. And like you yeah. said, because it's 100%. very hard. It is. And it, but I think it also really taught me to go out and search for things as well. So if I want to learn something, I'll make the effort and I'll go do it. I'm not expecting anybody to just hand that to me. I want to figure it out. I'll go and do it myself and I'll figure out how to do it. And it makes you, you know, a little braver, a little tougher, you know, all those things where I think um, in something like hairdressing, you have to talk to clients all day. So to me, even just being able to walk up to a stranger and have to talk to them, I think was a real good um, communicative skill to learn as well how to just talk to people you don't know so I think that even though at the time it sucked and I hated it yeah. it really nobody likes me it just so everybody no knows no no matter how outgoing you no. are and how much you can shoot the shit nobody likes doing that yeah. no one likes doing it and at the time it was torture and every week I despised it but in the long run it really did you know Especially I think make me you, a, a better you person have had any friend it's not like you had your your high school friends your aunties your uncles like I was lucky because exactly. I had that so usually I didn't have you know, I got enough friends to tide me over, but when you're in a completely new place, like that's what choice do you have? And how long was that training program for you? Yep. So that training, I was there, um, about eight to nine months and that can go anywhere. It doesn't just have a set program. It goes really by skill. How could yeah. people, you know, pick things up and so on. There were some people that, you know, needed a little bit more time and were there for a year and a half. So it really just would depend on the person, um, and how much effort they put into it. You know, I think also makes the difference. The more you yeah. put, the quicker you learn and then you go yeah. faster. Totally. Yeah. So from, yeah, so from that point, um, I stayed there, I worked as a colorist and, you know, just kind of worked my way up the ladder, if you will, and went and kind of went up each level, each level until I became, you know, the master colorist there, Mm -hmm. as well as um, doing a lot of education for them in-house. And how did you transition from being say an apprentice with them to then educating yeah. for them like I think yeah. that's also something like I just want to cover everything in this podcast yeah. showing people that you don't have to have dreamt of being a teacher your whole life like I didn't I don't 100%. have a teaching degree but I can still teach you how to paint hair so how did that happen exactly. that you got from going an apprentice to obviously yeah. not overnight but to educating for this salon hundred percent. And I think a lot of that comes down to is asking for things, you know, showing people that you, you really want that and not just waiting again for someone to come to you. You know, I was aggressively saying, let me come in and shadow you, you know, on my day off, I would come in and, and just spend the day helping or washing bowls or helping whatever I could. And really just showing initiative that I wanted to do that. And I wanted to be there. And I think over time, 
you know, that, that really shows. And between all three of the, the salons we had, there was about 80 or 90 staff. So it was a, a big salon. And so it's a privilege, you know, to get to that point, to be able to help other people and train them. And, you know, for me, that was kind of when I realized I love education. I didn't know that I was going to. It was kind of just like, well, that looks like fun. It'd be cool, something different. And really kind of showed me that that's the path that I wanted to do. And I would have never known that if I wouldn't have, you know, pushed my way and yeah. trying to get into that, that educator position. Yeah. Amazing. And what were you educating for them? Like just, um, applications or techniques that you'd kind of come up with or like yeah. basics, what were you educating? Kind of everything, you know, so our, our apprentices would really go through a bit of a program. So you would start with fundamentals, then you would move in, you know, to all of our colors and consultation, and then you would move into foils and so on. So there was a yeah. bit of a program. And so I really started with everything. So we started at mm -hmm. the basics and then kind of worked through that. So you did have a curriculum yeah. that you would have to follow and you would have to um, essentially test out of each of those categories to move on to the next thing. So we really, you know, I taught all of those from the very beginning all the way to the very end. And then at the end of our um, apprenticeship, you had to put on a runway show. Oh my gosh, so, this is the exact same as mine. Yeah, I'm not even so kidding fun. you. The other day I was fun. going, because I'm like dying for content right now because we have nothing, you know, I'm not doing any <laughs> hair. And I found this photo, you would die, of my like runway show. And it was all rainbow it. colored. And that was my theme, you I know, and like, I got so t-shirts made and I had all these oh. people. I had like one of my girlfriends and four clients and same thing had to put on a runway show, but I completely forgot about it. And I found it. Oh my God. It was hilarious. It's so good. And it was such a fun thing. Cause it get, you know, you can ask whoever you want to come. You can do that. I remember at the time my roommate was a fashion designer. And so she made me all these elaborate dresses out of garbage bags, you know, <laughs> being still in a student budget. I was like, I can afford like $20. And so she made all these. Of my yeah. <laughs> it was like, I am, I am in the garbage category at the moment, but I'm soon to be out. So we'll have a fancy dress. And she made these like elaborate, you know, cool outfits out of garbage bag so it was very memorable that's so it was really cool remember yours I completely forgot I about that. that's so funny oh <laughs> uh, yeah but it was fun and it was like you know a celebration that you finished you know and that you've you've completed something that was hard work so I thought yeah. that was really cool that they would do that and everyone would come and they would have champagne and it was a party and it was it was cool what a thrill and now yeah. you mentioned that that salon, the owners of that yes. salon invented American Crew? Yeah. Well, so, so the two guys who own it, um, they had started American Crew together. And one of the other owners had now um, was in helps to start Rusal as well. So very much in the men's um, industry. And then but it my, was um, a unisex salon. It is, yes, yeah, yeah. and still is. So they did men and they did women. Yeah. Um, and the guy who still owns it and runs it is creative director for American Crew. So very much still still tied to it. And so were you quite exposed to that and getting to go to shows or like yeah. in the, like understanding how production like happens or anything? Or was it kind of a separate entity or? 
Yeah, you know, it's kind of kind of separate and kind of together. You know, we did a lot of research when it would come to, you know, what people wanted in the products. They would come in the salon and we would help that, especially when they were developing, you know, their men's color. That was a big thing that we would help them to develop that. Okay. As far as shows, 100%. I mean, that was probably the best benefit Don't you think it. it's a whole other <laughs> world? American yeah. hair shows? Oh, and imagine it for a men's brand. And so you would go and help and there would just be like 20 half naked guys around Sexy. and you'd just be styling their hair. And it was That's always the best part, time. eh? Going to the, it's not just like hair shows. Then there's all the barber parts too. And you get to exactly. go watch the American exactly. crew show and it's like you're drooling. I'm like salivating now, you know? It was. It was. And that was really the most fun part because we were so lucky. We'd get to go backstage and we would just hang out with them. And I was a colorist, so I wasn't doing any of the haircuts, but yeah, yeah. we would always be there to help and help with the goodie bags and you know hang out if the guys needed any help backstage and it was getting really dressed. fun yeah getting dressed like oh i'm not a stylist but i can definitely help you <laughs> i think that button needs to come on yeah, exactly <laughs> just a few down so it was very fun very you know quite a unique experience and Funny enough, actually, they had sent me to Amsterdam oh um, before I came to Australia. And actually, that's how I met everybody from Australia. And that's how I ended up here was at oh. an American hair show you in You just Amsterdam. leave this interview yourself. I'm just going <laughs> to sit here and listen. I love it. Tell me everything. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's where, you know, even just going back to what you said about the different avenues and things like in my life, I never thought I would be first living in Australia, doing education full time. Like, you know, my 18 year old self would have never even thought about yeah. that or dreamt that. But that's what's so cool about this industry is that it can bring you to so many places that you would never even think of. You know, there's so yeah. many options. I have these them. I get them every time. I just love it so much. Like it just That's thrills so me when people love what they're doing and like, yeah, it just thrills me. Yeah. It's so cool. So yeah. So I was at the salon for, you know, going on 10 years, there had colorists and it just kind of got to the point where I was looking for something else. I was doing education a lot. And like I said, they sent me to a hair show um, in Amsterdam for a long weekend and ended up meeting the people who worked at Oddstare, so okay. who do Kevin Murphy and they do Eleven. And we had the best weekend and we had so much fun. And they had said, Candace, if you ever want to come to Australia, you know, we'll get you a job. It. Yeah. And I was like, okay, okay. And I went back home and I just kept thinking about it. You know, I was like, oh, it could be kind of fun. You know, I've kind of lost that little bit of adventurous spirit. I've been in Chicago a long time yeah. and sent them a message one day. I was like, oh, hey, any you. chance you guys, you know, need any help in Australia? And they were like, yeah, how Always. quick can you be here? In like two months? So I decided let's do it. And I sold everything that I had and I packed up a couple of suitcases and moved to Melbourne. Oh, I'd never been gosh. before. I didn't even really know what my job was going to be. <laughs> and and I just did, was that a little fun. bit of like a bad thing that it's like they sent you to this show and then you mingled and then you left or uh, it was understandable? Like, I think understandable, you know, like yeah. they all know each other and it's, you know, it's a small industry and yeah. I think work was so happy for me, you know, yeah, I had been cool. there a long time and they're still some of my best friends. And, you know, I think that if you find the right place, they want you to do well. They want you, you to know? succeed and people understand too, yeah. when you're ambitious 
And yeah. they would know that you moving to New York, to Chicago, to yeah, like exactly. that, that would be amazing. So yeah. you came to Melbourne right away. I came to Melbourne. I had never been to Australia and I bought all these swimsuits thinking, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm moving to Australia. I'm going to be like at the beach and I'm going to be, you know, I came into all summer clothes and yeah. I moved here. I want to say it was like July or August. So dead of winter and here. Cause dead to us that summer and we're like, oh, July. Dead of winter. Summer. And I just remember being shocked. I remember being shocked that I was so cold <laughs> and it was windy and it was raining. And I was just thinking, I thought I was moving to like Bondi beach in my head. You know, that's yeah. what I had thought. Um, and, but to be honest, ended up loving Melbourne. I yeah. think it's just such a cool city. And I was so happy within a couple of months, you know, once it started to get nicer and I saw all the benefits that Melbourne had to offer. Yeah, you arrived in winter. Really so that's it. not really yeah. ideal, is it here? Especially <laughs> it Melbourne was, winter. But... I always say like, it's not like it's hot here. Like it's still winter, but I'm from Toronto. So for me, we get snow and like minus 20. So it's like, although it's not minus 20, it's still cold and there's no snow and it just rain. Like you'd almost rather winter a bit. Yes. You know, the houses aren't that insulated. So you feel it that little bit more as well. The houses, I don't know if it's just because I lived in some pretty dodgy <laughs> houses, but I remember one time FaceTiming my parents, showing them, I've moved like 10 times since I've moved here, but I was showing yeah. them my new crummy house. <laughs> I like, was FaceTiming all proud, and my dad's like, is that, is that a gap under the, under the um, door? And I was like, oh, I guess, because you could see light like coming through in the hallway in the photo, yeah. in the phone, and I was like, oh, like, didn't even notice, and he's like, that is not safe. Like, like, you know, the raccoons can get it. I'm like, there's no raccoons here. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's, but it's so good. So and now we just get used to it. The houses are yeah. not at all yeah. insulated. Like, you no. might as well not put the heat on. 100%. You can feel the wind. You can feel it. I mean, it was so funny. I remember moving in to the first house when I got here and the bathroom always had a crack in the window. So no matter what you did, it was just cold air. But my housemates would walk around in like a towel. It was no big deal. They were fine. And I'm just like in 18 layers of clothes. And, and they tons expect of socks us, like and- say North Americans, to be like us in the t-shirts in winter. They think yeah, that we're like... Yeah used to this and it's like no this is still cold yeah it's still cold it's still cold so when you moved here same thing as when you went to new york like how did you find housemates or a place to live or how did any of that happen yeah you know again i feel like i just kind of get lucky in my life but work was so lovely and so helpful and they had actually put me you know a list of where to look for things like look on gumtree gumtree was you know a big thing at the time and ended up finding a really amazing house for like a little house sublet for i want to say it was eight weeks just to kind of get my feet on the ground and i'm still friends with them now and it just worked out. And then I found another great house and they're all still my best friends, you know, from here. So I feel like I've been very lucky that yeah. I've had really nice situations and have found it pretty easy. Yeah. yeah. All that talking in the grocery store aisle helped you. Yeah. Be so <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what it's you were doing here. Now. You're walking it's down true. the grocery aisle. You need a housemate. Do you need yeah. a housemate? 
but it is. It like, makes you really like, you know, because house, house interviews can be so awkward and uncomfortable, but having the skills that we have as hairdressers, you can talk to anybody, you know, you can yeah. find common ground, you can, you know, make fun jokes and all that. So I think that we're, we have a very lucky skill to have. Definitely. So when yeah. you came, so when you were in Chicago, you were educating yeah. and still taking clients working in the salon. Is I that was, something yeah. that you're still doing now doing clients or no. you're only field educating? I'm only field educating. So actually, since I've been here, um, I've always done education. So okay. I still have a couple of, of handful of friend clients that yeah. I can't seem to get rid of. But, <laughs> Even we try but sometimes. I'm like, come on, come on, there's great salons. But they just want to keep coming. But now I just do education. And my job, you know, for the most part is nine to five, Monday to Friday, and okay. then Saturdays and Sundays off, you know. Yeah. So because that's that a huge deterrent, I think, or yeah. I probably don't mind it so much now, but when I was mm. 19, 20, 21, yeah. 26, 27, <laughs> going yes. out every night, exactly. still exactly. every night going to the bar, it yes. is a big thing that I remember thinking like, I don't want to, and I love doing hair. Mm. Like, you know, I seriously yeah. love yeah. it. So never mind someone who doesn't fully love it. That I, mm. I saw that as being something like, how am I going to do this forever when yeah. I, you know, I, I missed so many things working Saturdays or then later thinking about maybe kids or things like that. Like, but yeah. then being like, but I don't have another skill. Like I didn't go to university. Mm. I didn't have a plan B. I always wanted to do this. But yeah. then you feel like, oh, well, I couldn't work for a color brand because I didn't, I don't have a university degree in sales or marketing mm. or anything. So I think mm. it's really important for people to hear from people like you who were a hairdresser, are a hairdresser, and now have yeah. that nine to five, but still get to be in the beauty industry, talking to yeah. people, going into salons and doing that. So yeah. when you moved here, did you know that you weren't going to be working in the salon at all? And like, were you ready to give that up? Or I, not, I or did. I did. And, but kind of in my mind, when I came here, if I'm being honest, I thought it would be like a year or two. And then I would Always. go back home Plus. and go back to the salon, you oh, know, like yeah. in my head, that's what I had envisioned. Yeah. And because I had never done education full time, I wasn't quite sure if I was going to even like it. You know, yeah. it's very different. You know, you're used to being around the same people all the time and your normal clients, you know, it's, it's very different from that. But I ended up first loving Australia and second, loving this job almost I would say more. equal to sometimes if not more yeah. you know than hairdressing purely because I get to talk to hairdressers all day yeah. you know rather than clients you know where you would sit and you talk to your clients all day I do that with hairdressers so it's things yeah. that you already have you know Common ground. together that you love yeah and you have a passion for yeah yeah so, so what were you educating it. then was that that seems like it was yeah. for a product company is that correct not so yeah much it like was color so it was for, so I worked for Ausdair yeah. and at the time they had distribution rights to Revlon Professional. Okay. So I worked um, teaching color. So two salons for, I worked for them for about five years. So for quite a while I worked yeah. for them. Um, and then from that point, I did a little stint at another company. And then I went to Kevin Murphy when they had launched their color yeah. and was the um, national manager for them. And Amazing. then 
Yeah. So these really are the fun. titles that I think yeah. when you're young and in your apprenticeship or, you know, and you have people coming in to educate you in the salon, you hear that and you're like, Oh, national manager. Like yeah. <laughs> and it is a fancy title. Like, no, you know, it is but a fancy it, title. you think that as a hairdresser, you can't have that title because yeah. you're just a hairdresser yeah. and you are not oh. just a hairdresser. And that's like the, the last thing from the truth, you know, and yeah. it's, it's such a cool job as well. These sort of things. Cause you get to travel, you know, I feel like I always joke that I've seen more of Australia than most Australians because I've been able to go, you know, to Queensland or Western Australia or go, you know, to Sydney or Tasmania. You know, I get to go and see everything and meet so many different people. So it doesn't mean that if you're a hairdresser, you're stuck in the one spot on the floor. There's so many avenues as well that can take you different places. Makes me so happy. Yeah, it seriously does. It gives me such joy. Oh, that's so cool. And so now you are educating for Pulp Riot, which is so cool. I remember seeing Pulp Riot at the Behind the Chair show. I feel like this is like I end up talking about this stinking Behind the Chair show every time. (laughs) But it's seriously like it's just blown my mind. But the Pulp Riot stuff was like and butterfly loft like all this stuff was like so cool like to me i thought that was like cool cool and then they're so cool yeah like it still is i don't i didn't only think it then it still is really cool but it is i love the packaging i love everything and so how did that happen that you because it's creative color am i wrong it is. Well, I guess yes and no. I think it used to be. Okay, um, cool. It used to be really just, you know, the semi-permanents, the vivid colors, but now they've actually launched a demi-permanent hybrid range and soon to be launched a new acid-based no-lift demi. So it's really kind of completed out the portfolio. So I had kind of um, just stumbled upon that. I think, you know, I, I knew about Pulp Riot and I knew about Rogue Beauty as well. And I've always loved Rogue Beauty and they have, you know, Arnco and they have Orbe. And um, I know that I personally like working for more smaller, more boutique sale companies. That's just kind of what I've learned over the years. And when this opportunity came up to do education for Pulp Riot, you know, the things that really drew me to the companies, both Rogue and Pulp Riot. I know Rogue first were, well as well, so I, I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about and who oh, you're talking about. They're just the best. You know, yeah. you, you really need to find the right place for you. Some people like those really big, you know, more corporate type companies. You know, I love that the, I guess the the community part yeah. of it. And I think that's what drew me to Pulp Riot into Rogue Beauty is that it feels really personal. They like to connect with everybody. They're all about, you know, sharing things and let's work together. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, just what you're doing here, you know, it's bringing people together. And I yeah. think that's really what we need. And just because one person uses this product or that person uses that product doesn't mean we can't all do stuff together. Yeah, and I think a so, lot of the times you become like a brand snob a bit, you know, like I felt mm. like I was that for Wella. I was like, Oh, I only, <laughs> you know, like, Oh God, you use that. Like it's so dumb, but it, it's true. It's, it does it happen. Happens. And it's something that I've struggled yeah. with because I educate yeah. for a balayage brand that is not yeah. brand specific. So the whole point yes. is that all you need is the powder and you can use any developer. And it's very, very yeah. hard to penetrate that yeah. almost loyalty yeah. to another brand but 
Yeah. yeah it, I, and 100%. I get that, you know, us as hairdressers are loyal. And I think, that there, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think people love their brands and they love who they're with. And yeah. I just think, you know, being able to have platforms where we can, you know, all work together, you know, even with Pulp Riot, I love that, you know, you're the artist, Pulp Riot's the paint. And they're yeah. really even starting to feature people on their socials that are not even using Pulp Riot because they really want us to, you know, all work together. And it doesn't oh, have to be artist. just because you're with Wella or just you're with L'Oreal. You know, it doesn't matter. We're all hairdressers and we're all artists. So that was something that really drew um, me to the company as well as being a really personal company and that you can, you know, get on the phone and text everybody or message them and they get back to you in a second. And it's just it's very um close-knit even though it's quite a big company now yeah how cool yeah now yeah. they're based in sydney correct so rogue right. beauty is based in okay. sydney yeah so they're based yeah. out of Darlinghurst. yeah so, it's so how does that office. work like was that something that was an issue that say you lived in melbourne or how did you end up going and getting this job when you live in melbourne yeah. and you know people yeah. might think oh i couldn't work there i live in melbourne <laughs> hundred percent. And I think that's where education is really cool because they still need education in every single state. Yeah. So just because one company is based in one city doesn't necessarily mean you have to be in that city. So for my job, my job is traveling. And so it's a little bit difficult, my job at the moment, because I can't actually travel. But a lot of education jobs are local. You know, yeah. you can have the area that you live in and educate around that area. So depending on what you're after, if you're looking for something with travel, there's jobs like that if you're looking for something you know that is just in your state or local to your area they have jobs like that as well so cool yeah sharing all of this and yes you doing pulp riot is that you like doing clients as well or are you going and sharing the knowledge like how have you been able to apply your skills as a hairdresser because there's people who do this job that aren't hairdressers am i correct um education no Pretty much all people in education, you need a hairdressing background. So what my job really entails is either going into salon or doing trainings, you know, via Zoom at the moment and actually (laughs) giving to be a Zoom expert, Um, but how to use the product, ways to use it, maybe a little bit differently, technical information. And then the other side of my job is going in and actually doing hands-on training as well. So even though I'm not on the you know salon floor yeah. doing clients on a daily basis i'm still in color nearly every single day and that's you know going from salon to salon doing models doing you know testing of new products when they come out i'm still definitely have my hands dirty it's just in a different way love it and yeah. do you feel like this has given you the best of both worlds where you've got this yeah. 9 to 5 and like I don't know if you get say like, oh, sometimes with hairdressing, all these issues are is you don't get the benefits or the medical. I don't know. It's different in Australia to home, but there's all these things that hairdressing doesn't allow sometimes or yeah. a steady paycheck at home. Everything's commissioned and things like that. Yes. that this has allowed you maybe to have something more like that some more stability i suppose and yeah. i think you know especially coming from the states i do know what Without is a little bit and, you know here. anything you're not comfortable yeah, with yeah, we don't have course, to talk course, or edit out course. it's no issue but i just think it's yeah. interesting that that is, is something for people once they get into hairdressing that they're like oh like how am i gonna have a stable life or a family or all these things mm. that mm. when i don't have 100%. a consistent paycheck or benefits. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, coming from the States myself, we 
we don't even make an hourly. It's pure commission based a lot of the time. So if you didn't have any clients that week, you didn't get paid that week. So coming here and you can still do very well if you can build up that clientele and have some consistency. But, you know, for me being able to have a steady paycheck where it's going to be the same every single month and, you know, you don't have to be, you know, worried about, oh, did I do lesser hours or more hours? That is the thing that it does give and take. But I think being able to have stability, that was a huge thing. I think with this yeah. job for sure and especially moving a lot too like I know you've been here quite a yeah. while now but yeah those things are expensive that people don't yeah. fully consider like when you're not situated you are paying rent you've got to buy towels and bedding and all these things yes. all over every time you move yeah. kind of that absolutely it is hard and Australia is a very expensive place but worth worth it but it is of course all these things that it does make a difference having that stability and being able to have the nine to five do you just love that aspect yeah and you know I think what's interesting is it's very different you know I guess my normal daily life is more you know emails driving you know that was something that I never really thought of and now (laughs) on the other side of the road obviously not COVID and on the other side of the road I mean (laughs) that was a skill in itself that took many months to to work out but my job is you know driving from salon to salon so there is benefits to this job but also some things that maybe it isn't for everybody in the fact that you're alone a little bit more you know you're not always with the same people every day you you know go to different appointments throughout the day that's maybe some people thrive on that some people don't like that so there is you know always a pro and con to every scenario as well yeah 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 so do you think that you'll continue that like not working on the floor like you get enough by doing the hands-on in trainings I do you know I think I was actually thinking about it and it's almost becoming equal amount of time that I was a hairdresser on the floor and now doing purely education so it's quite funny I'm kind of at that that middle point but I do think for me personally education's a little bit more rewarding and there's nothing better that when you know you're training an apprentice and you're in the salon and they finally get it, you know, and it just has that like, Oh, I finally just got that. Or, you know, someone's been trying to learn balayage and you give them a new technique and it makes it easier for them. And, you know, for me, those things are priceless. And I I love that when the clients are happy as well, but there's just something special for me that's beautiful when I can help someone. That's what will set you apart as an educator and Mm. why people will want you and enjoy Mm. your company. I mean, you're very easy to talk to and soft and lovely and, you know, like people would enjoy having that. So I think that's really cool. So is there a what's next for you? Like where could you kind of move up from this role yeah well i guess you know it's quite interesting because pulp ride's still very new you know they they had their direct dyes their semi-permanents out for a couple of years in australia but as far as being a a full color portfolio that's really only been this year so for me that will be like really launching that out into australia and then eventually getting a team of educators i mean the thing is the more you grow the more you need educators and so ideally you know I move up into something more of a either manager or national role. And then you have people in their, you know, states and their areas doing education, what I do now. So that's the thing that there's always the bigger the company gets, the the more education jobs that are available. How exciting to nurture that kind yeah. of from the ground up a bit and yeah. be a part of it. 
Yeah, yeah, it's really exciting. It's fun. You know, I love that. I love working with brands that I truly believe in and that I, I really love and companies that I love as well and being able to, to you know, help hairdressers as well. Yeah. It's important time. that it's genuine because I think hairdressers are very mm-hmm. to the point. Like if yes. we're, we get, we're spoiled for choice in options yes. that we have. And if you don't know your shit, you're going to get called out on it. Like yeah. you know, people aren't 100%. going to listen and I think it is really important and I love that you have this extensive background in education because it makes me value your education so much more too because you are a hairdresser and that that makes a difference I think as a being a a student say yeah and I think that it's super important as a educator that you understand hairdressing I mean you need to be able to talk the same language and we all have the same struggles and we all want to learn the same things so being able to you know talk one-on-one and not me above you I think that that's probably mm-hmm. the biggest thing that I've seen educators where they're you know all oh, this is me and have a big ego and I think as an educator it needs to be the opposite you know you yeah. need to be there helping and it's not about me it's about me you know giving you the tools for you to succeed. So that's really important to me. That's so cool. Well, I have loved this chat. Oh, and I just like, this is my first one that I kind of didn't know. I've really enjoyed actually getting the background from some of my friends. Cause even from them, I haven't, I was like, I didn't know that you did graphic design or whatever, but (laughs) I've really enjoyed this. And it's just exactly what I'm trying to do is to show that, you know, maybe you don't, want to be an international platform artist but you can still do something else besides working behind the chair and it doesn't mean that you aren't as passionate about hairdressing I think that's sometimes what it is you feel like oh like I've I've talked about becoming a hairdresser my whole life and now I'm in it and I'm like oh it might not be what I want to do but I love the industry and I there's no failure and there's no harm in changing it up but it's the more you know you find what avenue is right for you. And this is what you've done and you're loving it and having this amazing life that you've been able to travel and move and create a life for yourself. Yeah, thanks. I think that this is such a great platform because you're right. There's so many avenues and so many things that my, you know, little 17, 18 year old self would never have dreamed of. And now, you know, being able to travel the world and, you know, make friends all over the place and, you know, have a really, you know, great career and steady pay and all of those things, you know, you can definitely achieve it a hundred percent. Yeah. Without having to go to university and have this classic, you know, route that you, you, if you want to do that, you do that, but you can have a job that isn't working in the salon if you want to, or do both or do 10,000 things or you'd be a yoga teacher (laughs) and do this, like whatever you want to do is achievable. And I just want to shed light and make sure that people are aware of their options. Yep. Absolutely. Good on you. I love that. Thank you. Well, I'm so excited to keep working with you with Pulp and all of that. I really enjoyed the education the other day, so I can vouch. Good educator. (laughs) I really enjoyed it and I've loved having the time to do that. So I can't wait to see you on the streets of Melbourne when we're allowed out. And I really appreciate you (laughs) taking the time today to sit down with me and to, to spread a little awareness and yeah, share your passion. I love it. I love it. Good work. Thank you so much, Candice. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. 
Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube to get all the notifications of our weekly episodes.